Welcome to the AIPT Movies Podcast with your hosts, Alex Harris. And with them, as always, are Tim Garner and Matt Paul. You can't say, hey, there's something funny on the internet and me not check it out. I mean, that's what the internet's for. There's only funny things on the internet. There's not, like, soul-crushing, awful things on there, right? Correct. The internet is a bastion of human wealth and knowledge. That's right. It's all positive. And happiness. (laughs) (laughs) It's all I can has cheeseburger all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, hello and... (laughs) Why do I say hello like that? (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Anyway, hello and welcome to the AIPT Movies Podcast. I'm Alex Harris. I'm an independent writer slash director. I would say you may know me from my movie, Irregular Primary Care Physician in the Several Worlds of Irrationality, starring Ian Ziering as Stephen Irregular, MD, but apparently it's too similar to some other big movie that's coming out, so the release is being blocked. What's the other movie? I'm just kidding. It's obviously Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. What? I, I've never even heard of that. No, no. apparently it's too similar to this new movie from The Asylum, the, the company that makes the Sharknado movies. I guess it's called Funky Pharmacist and the Polyversal Mania, <coughs> which also stars Ian Ziering. Damn, Alex, that sucks, man. I'm sorry, dude. It's okay, it- if I'm being honest, I did kind of rip it off a little bit. Hi, I'm Tim Gardner, man in suit actor, contortionist, mime, and green suit guy. You may know me from my role as Harry in the upcoming sequel, Harry and the Hendersons 2, The Squatchening. Oh, hey, it's my agent, Tony Vashito. What's up, Tony? Tim, I'm glad I got you before you gave into the despair of your dead-end career. Things can always get better. Here, I, I wrote a letter to tell you how much our friendship means to me. Here we go. All right. Tim. You are my only client. I have to buy Ronin noodles because I can't afford ramen noodles. Please don't do this to me. Tony, I'm fine. What's up? Oh, sorry. I I thought I'd be extra cautious in case you didn't take this news very well. So I don't know how to tell you this, but some other guy got the role in that Harry and the Hendersons movie. Some guy named Tom Planta? Oh, him? I wouldn't worry about him if you know what I mean. Hold on, hold on a second. Tim, what on earth are you doing? I was, well, I was going to put all this prosthetic makeup on, but it would take way too long. So I'll just, maybe I can just put on the nose. No, no, that would ruin the integrity of the design. Never mind. No need to worry, Tony. Uh, um, Tom Planner is me. I disguise myself as someone else so I could get the part back. Shut the fart up! You pulled a Mrs. Doubtfire? I sure as hell did. Oh man, that's amazing. Just like how Jared Leto pulled a Mrs. Doubtfire when he heard they wanted a Peter Stormare type for House of Gucci. Incredible! Good for you, Tim. Wait, wait a second. Who represented you when you auditioned? I didn't receive any notice or anything. Oh, I mean, I just re- represented myself. I... I figure since this was just a temporary fix, it wouldn't really matter. Tim, this is a big project, a big path. This could be a problem. What do you mean? Everything seems great to me. They sent the contract over and they're paying me way more than any of the projects I got as Tim Gardner. I've been able to upgrade to Ronin noodles, which is great because Raymond noodles are disgusting and I think the flavor packets are coffee grounds. Tim, I'm happy for you. I am. 
But the agency I work for, they're not going to be happy if they find out you're this Tom Planter guy. Okay, fine. We just won't tell them. I mean, sorry about the mix-up, Tony. I I wasn't trying to cut you out or anything. I I mean, I'm sure my brother Frank could make you look completely different if you want to be Tom Planter's agent. I mean, Frank is really good at covering faces with other faces. If this gets out, we won't have faces for Frank to cover up with other faces. What was that, Tony? Nothing. Good for you, Tim. That being said, I guess the other news I was going to give you, which didn't really seem to matter at the time, may be more of a concern now. You know the leader of the evil Sasquai? The space punk Bigfoot with the dyed forehawk, Yeti leather jacket, and the Squatch Martin boots? Of course, Harry's evil twin. Era. Yeah, well, they gave that part to that Wilson Montanero guy. My arch-nemesis, an absolute fraud of a suit actor? I'm never representing another suit actor again. Curses. And to think I called off the contract on his life. Hopefully Black Widower hasn't switched numbers already. I even told Tom Woodruff that Wilson would probably pull off playing a lifeless corpse. I knew I was being too nice. Well, anyway, yeah, hopefully he doesn't recognize you under all that makeup and prosthetics. Especially since they'll be under more makeup and prosthetics. I guess I'll really have to commit to this Tom character to be safe. Yeah, speaking of being safe, no one really listens to this podcast, right? I'd keep it that way, just a word of caution. You don't want to mess with the agency I work for, that's all I'm going to say. They're really scary people, but that's all I'm going to say. I've witnessed them murder more lovable people for less, but that's all I'm going to say. Anyway... We never had this conversation, okay? As far as I know, you're out of work, depressed, and living off salt and pepper sandwiches, alright? Anyway, I gotta go. I got invited to this crazy Hollywood party at Guillermo del Toro's house. And whoever gets there last has to eat something from his extensive Amber Jar collection. Rumor has it, Bradley Cooper's gonna show up last on purpose. (laughs) See ya! (laughs) Oh, what a guy, that Tony. Um, yeah, he seems like a really good agent. (laughs) Anyway, hi, I'm Matt Paul, and I'm just the guy on a podcast. I'm certainly not a script doctor, and anyone who says I am should make like Kingo in my final draft of Marvel's Eternals and awkwardly leave in the middle of whatever they're doing, no matter how important it is. (laughs) Anyway... Once again, in an affront to my fear that I'm merely a relatively well-polished turd, we have some corrections from the previous episode. One possible correction is the pronunciation of the term biopic, which is frequently contested online. I've always said biopic, while Tim says biopic. Apparently, Seth Rogen also says biopic, and, and he's, you know... He's pretty established. I'd assume it's biopic since it's short for biographical picture, but I could be wrong. To our listeners, feel free to reach out to us and let us know if you happen to know the definitive answer. Since no one ever emails us, I guess we'll never know. But no, really, uh, you could also reach out to us through our brand new Twitter, at AIPTMoviesPod. Maybe the kids just aren't emailing nowadays. Twitter is more their style. They like them tweets. Yeah. Gotta slide into those DMs. (laughs) Slide into our DMs. Yeah, do it. Okay, <laughs> come on, bring it on. Talk. Let's talk about our biopic implants. <laughs> <laughs> During our discussion of Nightmare Alley, I said that 1997's Mimic was a work-for-hire gig for Guillermo del Toro, but that is incorrect. Mimic was del Toro's first Hollywood production, and although he wrote and directed the movie, he clashed with Miramax co-founder and giant walking shark Harvey Weinstein. 
Although Del Toro oversaw the entire production, Weinstein was apparently responsible for the final cut. In 2018, Del Toro called the filming of Mimic one of the worst experiences of his life. Of interest possibly is that both Mira Sorvino, who started Mimic, and Del Toro's friend James Cameron fought with Weinstein over how Del Toro was treated. Good for Cameron and Sorvino. Seriously. Finally, during last week's corrections, Tim said Burtman's Batman 3 instead, <laughs> instead of Burden, as in Tim Burton. Now, you may think this was a simple slip of the tongue, but Tim may have been thinking of a character I added to Alex's Stephen Irregular movie, Burtman. A variant from one of the several worlds of irrationality. He's a guy who dresses as an overly artsy goth kid to fight crime because a goth kid crashed through the window of his mansion when he was trying to figure out how to strike fear into 80s movie-style jocks who run the organized crime in Jockham City. I'm especially proud of the Burt Cave, which is just an abandoned hot topic. <laughs> I also love that instead of Batarangs, he just throws cracked Bauhaus CDs. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. That's it for corrections. Let's move on to some news. Dune star Josh Brolin has spoken out against the Academy voters for snubbing Denis Villeneuve in this year's Oscars. Brolin even considered snapping half of them away. But he figured they're all so old, time should eventually take care of that for him. It's funny because they're out of touch. <laughs> A new trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness has been released and includes what sounds like Patrick Stewart's voice, causing many to assume he's reprising his role as Professor X from the X-Men movies. Wow. I, I know, right? Exciting stuff. Audiences are going to be even more surprised when they find out Stewart is actually playing Locutus of Borg. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, that would kind of be sick. It would be dope, especially just because Resistance is futile. <laughs> George Miller reportedly originally wanted Eminem for the lead in Mad Max Fury Road, but Miller decided the post-apocalyptic future was depressing enough already. <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme is going to star as himself in his final action movie, What's My Name, where he will have to fight some of his greatest adversaries from his older movies. No word on whether or not they'll include his worst enemy. His insatiable desire to have sex with Kylie Minogue while they were supposed to be filming Street Fighter. Scary and true. <laughs> a trailer for Jordan Peele's latest movie, Nope, has been released, and the movie seemingly involves some sort of alien invasion. There's even talk of a sequel from director Edgar Wright called NARP. Yarp. A Bob Marley biopic. Oh, sorry. Biopic. <laughs> starring Kingsley Ben-Adir is in the works. As we speak, white frat dudes are pre-ordering copies of the movie to put on their dorm room wall, but never watch. <laughs> they love their Bob Marley. Robert Pattinson says he has discussed a Batman trilogy with director Matt Reeves. Now I guess we'll just have to sit and wait to see if milking a profitable IP is something Warner Brothers wants to do. They would never. They have integrity. Right? Right? Simu Liu has joined the cast of the Barbie movie alongside Margot Robbie. Liu is a little disappointed because when he tweeted that he wanted to work with Mattel, he was actually hoping for street sharks. <laughs> we got some news for fans of shark movies. That actor you barely remember, Josh Lucas, is going to star in The Black Demon, another movie about a giant prehistoric shark similar to the Meg. The difference is that in this one, 
the shark is defeated by an equally giant Tom Jane. Oh my god, that would be the best! It would be dope. He doesn't want to make waves. He'd make some real big waves if he was that large. <laughs> Seth Rogen thinks viewership for the Oscars is declining because people simply don't care about the Oscars anymore. The people behind the Oscars probably had a response for Rogan, but I honestly didn't care enough to see what it was. Will Smith would love to see the air cut of 2016's Suicide Squad. Unfortunately, WB is going to release the John Mayer cut instead. <laughs> it's a wonderland. <laughs> Dr. Doom from Josh Trank's Fantastic Four movie, Toby Cabell, hopes Marvel Studios' Fantastic Four movie does Dr. Doom justice. I don't get what the big deal is. I thought he was fan stick <laughs> Adrian Brody is going to star in Ghosted with Chris Evans and Ana de Armas. The title comes from what they should have done to Brody when he auditioned for Predators. You'll never live that down. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It just, yeah. you know, it's not... I don't know if it was the best choice, that's all I'm saying. Steven Spielberg's West Side Story will debut on Disney Plus in March. In order to prevent bad press from ruining a supposedly great movie, they ask that you simply look away whenever Ansel Elgort is on screen. <laughs> a trailer for Jurassic World Dominion promises an epic conclusion to the Jurassic Park series. That is, of course, until 2025's Jurassic Moonfall. <laughs> <laughs> the moon. They changed sexes. <laughs> <laughs> the moon has changed sexes. Moon uh, uh, finds a way. <laughs> yeah, the moon, yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh. They just write themselves. They do. <laughs> Russell Crowe is joining Aaron Taylor Johnson's Craven the Hunter movie for Sony's Spider Man universe. Based on recent press photos, it looks like Crow is playing Craven a whole pizza for himself. <laughs> I, I can make that joke because I'm also Craven a whole pizza for myself. <laughs> A movie about the Valiant Comics character Harbinger is in production from director Wes Ball. This is the second movie based on the Valiant property after Vin Diesel's Deadshot, which you may know from completely forgetting it exists. <laughs> Michael Mann has assembled an impressive cast for his upcoming Ferrari movie, including Adam Driver, Penelope Cruz, and Shailene Woodley. Personally, I don't get why they can't just use real Ferraris. <laughs> That was my favorite one this week. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably the one I wrote the quickest. Blumhouse's remake of Stephen King's Firestarter movie will be streaming on Peacock, which Blumhouse announced by tweeting the fire emoji next to the poop emoji. <laughs> <laughs> that was the other possible favorite. Th those two. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Pattinson says his version of Batman is different from what we've seen previously. When asked to elaborate, Pattinson said that those other versions probably don't even own the Crow soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's a damn good soundtrack. It really is. Hole covering Gold Dust Woman. That, that's Crow City of Angels, but that's also oh, a pretty solid it? soundtrack, too. Interesting. Because yeah. that is a great cover. Anyway, Morgan Freeman and Josh Hutcherson are set to star in the tech thriller 57 seconds. If you're a little confused, you're not alone. Even Josh Hutcherson had to look himself up on IMDb to remember who he is. 
really was like, who is that? Who is that? I gotta Google him right now. I don't know who it is. <laughs> he was in uh, he was in the fucking Hunger Game movies. Oh, I think that's his biggest claim yeah, to fame. Yeah, that is. Yep. Mission Impossible Seven's budget has reportedly ballooned to almost three hundred million. That said, we can't be certain if the budget is really that big or if they're just putting it next to smaller budgets to make it look bigger. <laughs> I didn't want to resort to a height joke for Tom Cruise because he's he's not even really short, but I just I couldn't think of anything else. That's <laughs> nah, okay. I was going to do a whole thing where it's like a three a 400 million movie with a mask of a 300 million movie that it rips off in the last <laughs> second, but you got to be really deep in a Mission Impossible to get that, I think, that is, right? Yeah, that I, I don't know. I mean, that was a pretty good scene. I think that's pretty famous. It's 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 hard to structure. You it know is what hard I mean? To like, yeah, after you said you're it. You're trying to put a mask on a budget, you know what I mean? Yeah, forget it. Forget it. High joke it is. High joke yeah. it is. All right, that's it for news. Let's move on to new releases. New in theaters only is Uncharted. Street smart Nathan Drake is recruited by seasoned treasure hunter Victor Sully Sullivan to recover a fortune amassed by Ferdinand Magellan in lost 500 years ago by the House of Moncada. The action adventure is directed by Ruben Fleischer, who you may know from making the slightly worst first Venom movie from a screenplay by Rafe Lee Jud- Judkins, Art Markham, and Matt Holloway, based on the video game series of the same name developed by Naughty Dog. It stars Tom Holland as Nathan Drake and Mark Wahlberg as his mentor, Victor Sullivan. Why didn't I think of a joke to put in there? And Sophia Ali, Tati Gabriel, and Antonio Banderas in supporting roles. I feel like this is not at all the Uncharted movie that people wanted. Right? It is not. It is currently getting <laughs> eviscerated. No offense to Tom Holland, but I just like... I feel like this is a movie, as a non-video game person, I feel like people talked about this movie for a really long time, and they finally made it, and I feel like they picked the worst version of it. Yeah, and but also, it seems it's very weird to make a movie adaptation of a very cinematic game, which actually works very well as a movie in and of itself. Right. Yeah, it's, and plus, like, let's be real. Nathan Drake should have been played by Nathan Fillion. Very strange. They had to have been a better choice for Sully, just because so many of his characters are named Sully. Why why, why him, you know? Victor, yeah, and Victor Sullivan in the video game is a balding man with a mustache, so it's funny to see Mark Wahlberg as Victor as Sully. What a bummer. New in theaters only is Dog. Two former Army Rangers appeared against their will on the road trip of a lifetime. Briggs, Channing Tatum, and Lulu, a Belgian Malinois, race down the Pacific coast to a fellow soldier's funeral on time. The comedy is directed by Channing Tatum and Reed (laughs) Farrellin, both making their respective feature directorial debuts. The film stars Tatum, Jane Addams, Kevin Nash, whoops. (laughs) What the fuck? Hang on. Corianka? Yeah, so Corianka Kilcher, I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, Ethan Supley, Emmy Raver Lampin, and Bill Burr. Schooner is a sailboat. (laughs) New in theaters only is The Cursed. In rural 19th century France, a mysterious, possibly supernatural menace threatens a small village. John McBride, a pathologist, comes to town to investigate the danger and exercise some of his own demons in the process. The American French horror film is directed and written by Sean Ellis and stars Boyd Holbrook, Kelly Riley, Alistair Petri, Roxanne Duran, and Amy Rose Daly. Supposedly that movie's pretty cool. I mean, sounds good. I like Brotherhood of the Wolf, so why not? Right, exactly. 
when I saw French, like French werewolf related horror movie, I was like, hello. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that. Really? It's 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 really we, we should cover it. It's really strange and unique. It's a very weird movie. In a good way. Stylish as all get out. Yeah. Nice. It, there's one one of the things that happens in the movie, like one of the reveals later in the movie is is one of my favorite things in a movie ever. It's so like out of nowhere. It's great. New and limited theaters and on VOD is a banquet. <laughs> For some reason, I wanted to say a banquet. <laughs> Widowed mother Holly is radically tested when her teenage daughter Betsy experiences a profound enlightenment and insists that her body is no longer her own, but in service to a higher power. Bound to her newfound faith, Betsy refuses to eat, but loses no weight. In an agonizing dilemma torn between love and fear, Holly is forced to confront the boundaries of her own beliefs. The British horror film is directed by Ruth Paxton. <laughs> British. <laughs> and written by Justin Ball. It stars Sienna Guillory, Jessica Alexander, and Ruby Stokes. Tom Rising, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> British. <laughs> that was a that was a game time decision. I didn't I was surprised myself that I said that. Uh, I no, it's it's all good. Do you know who has the best British accent? Ooh. Even more British than British people. <laughs> Have you ever heard Fred Armisen's British accent? No. No, I can't recall. Oh my god, it's oh, it's so good. He I feel like he's like done it like playing like a just like a British punk. Oh, <laughs> wait, wait, so wait. Good. I've se- I I remember seeing him in some yeah, in some SNL it was like, probably like history SNL of punk of Portlandia. thing. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> New and limited theaters and on VOD is King Knight. Thorn and Willow appear to have it all as the revered high priest and priestess of a coven of New Age witches. But a secret from Thorn's past throws their lives into turmoil and sends them on a trippy, hilarious journey. The comedy is written and directed by Richard Bates Jr. and stars Matthew Gray Gubler, Angela Serafian, Andy Milanakis, Barbara Crampton, and Ray Wise. It's your girl, Barbara Crampton. Yeah, and Ray Wise, baby. I know. New on Netflix is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. After nearly 50 years of hiding, Leatherface returns to terrorize a group of idealistic young friends who accidentally disrupt his carefully shielded world in a remote Texas town. The slasher film is directed by David Blue Garcia and the screenplay by Chris Thomas Devlin. From an original story co-written by Fide Alvarez and Rodo Sayagas. It is a sequel to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974 and the ninth installment of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. It stars Sarah Yarkin, Elsie Fisher, Mark Burnham, Jacob Lattimore, Moe Dunford, Alwyn, <laughs> Alwyn Fouillere, Alice Kring, Jessica, Elaine, Jesus Christ, how many people are in this movie? <laughs> Sorry. You need a high body count. Yeah, that's true. Jessica, Elaine, and Nell Hudson. Sari Yarkin sounds like a pirate name to me. Sari Yarkin. <laughs> I can't believe they're saying they're revealing that David Blue Garcia seems awfully private. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's news. <laughs> 
You heard it here first. Breaking news. I don't know who David and Garcia are, but I, I mean, good for them. Yeah, I hope they're happy with one another. I'd also like to mention that Kimi, Kimi? Kimi. The new HBO Max movie from Steven Soderbergh came out last week, and I apologize for missing it in the previous episode. Believe it or not, it is shockingly hard to find a consistent list of theatrical and streaming release dates. So I apologize. All right, that's it for new releases, which means it's time for What Do We Watch This Week? Oh, man. We watched something, all right. No. It came out in 1986, <laughs> but this week, we wa- this week we watched Neon Maniacs. <laughs> a group of teenagers in San Francisco discover a nest of homicidal monsters living in a tower of the Golden Gate Bridge. But when they try to tell authorities, no one believes them. The horror film, I guess, is directed by Joseph Benjine? Sure. Benjine. <laughs> Benjine. <Mwah>, mama. Who <laughs> passed away in 2006, unfortunately, but was but primarily worked as a cinematographer on such classics as Alligator and Alligator 2, The Mutation. Neon Maniacs was written by Mark Patrick Carducci, who you may know from writing Pumpkinhead, and stars Clyde Hayes, who you may know from Friday the 13th Part 4, Leilani Sorel, who you may know from Basic Instinct, Donna Locke, and includes the first appearance of Wishmaster's Andrew Divoff. Wishes. Wishes. (laughs) Maniacs. So, as a warning, I'm sure there will be spoilers as we discuss Neon Maniacs. So, if you haven't seen it yet, you may want to pause this, watch the movie, and come back. You you probably should, because we can't describe it. Describing it won't do justice. It's on Tubi. Yes, it's only on Tubi. It's free on Tubi right now, and by all means, help yourself to it. Um, otherwise, let's dig right in. So, Matt and Tim, what are your favorite things about Neon Maniacs? Um, well, all right. <laughs> so, I actually really liked, like, all, like, the practical effects and, like, yeah, um, the makeup and stuff for the maniacs it seemed better than i would expect from a movie like this yeah also did we make this movie when we were in high school (laughs) i know because it it felt like that kind of movie it felt like kids in high school made it yeah because it's it it seems almost like they're making it up as they go along yeah and Mm -hmm. it seems like there's a equal mix of Stuff that is purposely funny and stuff that is completely accidentally funny. Yeah. It's it's a very it's something else. It's totally a roller coaster. Because yeah. you have <laughs> I get calling it a horror film, I guess. Like that encapsulates the whole <laughs> thing, man. Cause it starts off with these neon maniacs, shall we say, who <laughs> despite the term, neon is more figurative than literal, just, you know, showing up murdering teenagers oh first they murder a fisherman just randomly who by the way is looking at trading cards of all the maniacs yes i know (laughs) yeah like what was that his only sin was finding their business cards yeah that were placed (laughs) conveniently enough in a uh skull of a of a cow as you do in in san fran (laughs) Uh-huh. And just, I'm just going to get ahead of this and tell everyone, they never explain why the Maniacs have trading cards, by they, the way. They do just so not. You know. Enjoy that, accept it, and just let it go. Yep. No, they don't, Matt. They don't mention anything, Matt. I'm going to get... I'm gonna they don't even right mention there. that they're from... Uh, like, where did they come from? 
They're not correct, from, man. <laughs> it says that they're from another dimension. Wait, but do, does it say that, Matt? Where does it say that? It says it in, in the Are synopsis. Are they from the several worlds of irrationality? <laughs> yeah. There you go. There we go. But they, but if it, if they don't say it in the movie, Matt, do they really say it at all? It's <laughs> true. If a tree falls in a forest Indeed. and nobody's around to hear it. If a movie is streaming on Peacock, is it really streaming? Yes. <laughs> I mean, for all we know, what the movie does tell us where they're from is the back of a classic van. Yeah. In the, uh, you know, that's in a parking garage tower underneath the San Francisco uh, Golden Gate Bridge. That's what the movie literally tells us. Uh, everything else has to be inferred, or you just yep. uh, you just fucking go with it, and you're just like, "All right, what you got? Oh, that guy's a caveman. Oh, that guy's <laughs> that guy's Native American. Oh, that guy's a samurai. Oh, that's a weird electric guy. Okay, welcome to the village people of slashers. They just kept like coming and coming and coming. Like there were, like at the end in the school, there were ones like the doctor and like there were so many that you didn't, you hadn't seen earlier. I wonder if it's like, if it was a bunch of these like maniac mutants from this other dimension, they were at a Halloween party and accidentally came through this portal into our dimension and they were just like dressed up for their own maniac Halloween party. (laughs) I mean, apparently so. And then they decided, wow, this was an accident one time, but we should keep doing this. (laughs) Right. Also, spoiler alert, (laughs) they are deathly allergic to water. Yes. Oh, my God. Which begs the question, how are they surviving all the blood? (laughs) I'm just saying. Just saying there's a lot of water in the human body. A lot of it. And... You'd think they wouldn't want to be near a bridge. Yeah, well, hey, you don't pick. <laughs> hey, man, when a portal presents itself, you don't get to pick where it, where it, you know, apparates you. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> but I do appreciate one of one of the very keen effects of uh, one of the first the first legitimate maniac kill uh, done by Donna Locke's character um, when she pushes him into a bathtub and turns the shower on. Yeah. It was a very good effect. And I, and I believe that may have been the effect where, or maybe it wasn't, but I think it might've been, that might've been the effect where they used cotton candy, uh, to, and just put water on it and that boom, it melts oh, like, wow. to, to, yeah. to aid in that's that. Cool. Um, so, that makes sense. Yeah. So that, 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 that was cream. That's what I like. That was a very, <laughs> got distracted. Yeah. I mean, the maniacs are, are great looking. And um, yeah, that's what the movie is, as disjointed as it is, because it it, it stopped production for mul- for several months uh, in between. So they had to cycle out a lot of actors, yeah, a lot of maniac actors, actually. So if you so if you look at the cast, there's a lot of people playing one maniac. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's a whole thing we can get into, but yeah. The, so okay, so just to give some context, I came across this movie years ago when a random Instagram that I follow, I don't know which one it was, like, I follow a bunch of different Instagrams that just, like, post pictures from, like, old schlocky movies and stuff, and they posted a picture from this, and I was like, what the fuck is Neon Maniacs? And I looked it up, and I couldn't, it was, like, it wasn't streaming anywhere, I didn't want to just, like, buy some DVD or something, and I just, like, kept it on the list to look for it. And then I stumbled on it on Tubi within the last, like, three months and and watched it. And there's articles about the troubled production, as Tim Tim sent me last night, 
um, after he saw it. But even those articles don't really explain anything. They, they say that they stopped and they talk about some of the plans that they had for the makeup of the maniacs. But there is like no explanation as to what exactly is fucking going on. They they do say, if I remember correctly, that there's supposed to be like a chosen one who can kill them. And they ha- she has to be a virgin. Yeah. And who knew? So that's why the sex thing at the end was a big deal with the main girl. But... Beyond that, I have found no other information about what is actually happening in this movie. So, uh, if for some reason someone who has intimate knowledge of this movie happens to ever hear this, by all means, reach out to us and give us some extra info, because I'd love to know. Yeah, we'd love to know more. You guys got any other favorite things? I guess I guess my overall overarching favorite thing is just that this exists. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right? I mean... Right. Like this is such a fucking weird movie. I'm I it's it's in a class of its own. It's so bizarre and so disjointed and it it's it's a lot of fun because it's so fucking weird. Yep. The cop who's just riding Donna Locke's character's <laughs> bike. I know. That whole part is amazing. And then she oinks when she's walking away from <laughs> she, him. Like, oh my and then God. he pretends he's gonna shoot her when mm-hmm. she goes away. <laughs> So good. And she's all calm when she's talking to the other cop. And then she runs away holding her hat like a crazy person all of a sudden (laughs) before she gets back to her bike. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was one of my favorite things, that whole scene. I love Donna Locke's, uh, like, bedroom suite. And and I like how she was, like, almost like a female Tommy Jarvis from Friday the 13th Part 4 with all of her makeup stuff, all her masks. And how she pretended to have one of her masks attack her when she got into bed. Did you catch that? Yeah. Yep. (laughs) And I love that she's wearing a Nostromo hat. I know. That was pretty great. The the party in the woods was pretty cool in the beginning. Like, why does that dude, like, I think he pees and then he just lays down in the woods by himself. Yeah, he does. (laughs) And, like... Everyone else is just banging, like everyone's just having sex. A dude gets, a girl gets beheaded while giving head, Mm -hmm. which I thought was, you know, I don't know, uh, symbolic? I don't know. (laughs) I also like when the maniacs show up, one of the guys asks them if if they want to play football. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. I liked the, the dream sequence when the main girl was in the, um, her pool and it started raining blood that was yeah. cool and the best that part is cool. this movie's so fucking weird that i normally in a movie if it suddenly started raining i was blood, like in my head i was like oh oh i wonder which maniac is doing that right now like <laughs> exactly the movie's so fucking weird that i actually was like huh i wonder why it's raining blood <laughs> when any other movie you'd be like oh this is totally a dream Right. I mean, it's like I thought it was like the caveman's maniac power. He's in that scene. He's in that scene. He's in it like two seconds before it happens. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, man, maybe it was maybe they just really liked, you know, it was the same year that Slayer's Rain and Blood album came out. Maybe that was some guerrilla marketing. I don't know. There you go. They were going to do a whole tie in. (laughs) I speaking of of Slayer and guitar playing, I like that the main guy when he was he was one point he was practicing in his room. Yeah. And one, I like that what he was playing, he was actually playing. He wasn't pretending to play guitar. 
but I also like that he made sure to finish his riff before he answered the knock on the door. <laughs> like he like couldn't be interrupted. He was like, and then he finally finished. And he was like, all right, yeah, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. I, I also like that this, I thought this movie was pretty cool looking. As, as I mentioned, the director is, is a, was a pretty established uh, director of photography for a while. And the, but he actually, and I guess the original director of photography was Oliver Wood, who I've mentioned before because he was the DP on Die Hard 2. Oh my um, God. And he got replaced. He had to leave during the stop in production and the director ended up being the DP himself for the yeah. rest of the movie. Um, and I thought it all together looked, I thought it was a cool looking movie. It was like obviously kind of cheap looking, but it's, it's visually fun looking, I would say. I love the whole train scene. Like the subway guy did not care about the maniacs when they like <laughs> come in. He did not give a shit. Yep. Then there's the bus scene. Oh my God, that bus driver. The, the, yes. the bus driver saying no smoking. Yeah, no smoking. <laughs> and then the severed arm grabs them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then they cut back to the maniac driving the train, just like having a blast. Having a great time. <laughs> it's the, I believe that was the electric maniac. <laughs> so great. Um, and then the sudden ends. Like, I, I love how, like, oh, man. They're, in, they're hiding in this classroom. And he says, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. I just met you. And she goes, I know you won't. That's why I like you. <laughs> <laughs> they just like start having sex in this classroom yep. in the While middle being... of this horrible event. Yeah. And then, and again, they didn't get to finish the end. So all of a sudden they're just out of the school being interrogated. Yep. Yeah. It's called trauma bonding, oh. Alex. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, this beats speed to it. Well, they didn't have sex, but you know, they should have um, on the bus in front of everyone. Um, <laughs> hey, no smoking. There's also like, the whole cop end, how the cops show up at the at the bridge with water guns. And and the fire department with a hose. And the, the fire department. And I remember there being some really great ADR in, in there, like just like cops. Like it was clearly like the same voice being all these different grunts for cops and firefighters. <laughs> <laughs> Do they kill a bird? No, no. Do they, they don't... shoot a bird That's or something? That's what I thought yeah, too. Yeah, so a bird takes off and he, he does like squirt. He squirts a squirt gun at it. Yeah, for sure. This oh, cop okay, has okay. an itchy trigger finger. Oh, okay. Well, if it, mm. were, it um, a real, were it a real gun, <laughs> yes, there would have been a, mur- a bird murder. A birder. <laughs> also, they didn't search that weird van that was just sitting inside there. They, they barely searched anything. They just looked around. They didn't open <laughs> they any doors. They just looked around, and then they just left. And then they left. They said, all right, well, there you go. We, uh, we tried our best, but except our dearly beloved uh, captain, detective, I don't recall... <laughs> Uh, what his exact, you know, right? what he was. I just know he was a cop that had some kind of importance. I don't know why. And he also seemed to know something about the maniacs, but that's yeah. a whole other thing. And then, that, again, was yeah. never resolved. And then he gets uh, yoinked and murdered into the maniac dimension in the back of a van. Yeah, as one does. <laughs> as one does. And also... Q credits. And I, I I can't remember. I I watched this movie months ago and made notes then. I haven't watched it since. I should have. But I don't remember who says this, but near the end, someone says, keep the squirt gun. It won't rain forever. Oh, my God. That's like the last 
line in the movie. I think so, right? Doesn't he say it to her when he drops her yeah. off or something? Yeah, I think yeah. so. And then that's it. So damn good. What a movie. I mean, we've just basically we've just gone over the whole entire movie, folks. <laughs> I know. I really enjoyed um the um the astoundingly oppositional music for each scene. <laughs> oh like, my god. I felt that I was like, is this like gonna be a you know, after school special. It sounds like 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 it's like a narrator's gonna come in and be like today on a very special story about Jimmy Dean in seventh grade trying dope for the first time. <laughs> today on a very special story about neon maniacs. Well, because the maniacs had their own theme. They did. And the dark the music I would say was cool when especially when it was dark. I, I especially thought that the whole all the music during like the the attack during Union High School Freak Folic Night was it sounded like Carpenter Brute. <laughs> yeah, I, I like, guess did so, you yeah. did you catch that? Yeah. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they sampled part of it or something. Apparently the music was by Kendall Schmidt for the record. He or she, I'm not sure, did smaller movies mainly. Um, but yeah, the music was interesting. I agree. Do we have favorite things or should we move on honorable mentions or should we just keep going, mixing them all together? We're mixing them all together, honestly, so far. <laughs> Unless okay. you guys want to call things out specifically, but we've mentioned a bunch of my like honorable mentions and stuff. I mean, we're just riffing on this movie, baby. Well, I, I got plenty of honorable mentions, <laughs> you know, and by all means, guys, one of the guys in the beginning shoots a Roman candle through one of the maniacs. Yeah. That was great. Just goes right through him. The the weird cops cop car for no rear no apparent reason. And then th- when the cops are like checking this crime scene, one of them picks up the goo with a plastic spoon. Like mm-hmm. the forensics person is using a plastic spoon. I don't know if that's like how it's really done, but it made me laugh. <laughs> I, I liked a lot of the careful choices to, that showed how low budget the movie was. Like when the principal tells everyone to stay home, they don't show it. It's just a voiceover. Oh, yeah. Because they <laughs> probably couldn't afford to shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. And then the whole, I love the whole uh, grocery delivery scene when he brings the groceries to the girl. They're supposed to be in high school. Yes. And he's working and she casually offers him a beer and do. says, do you want a glass? And they pour it into a glass. They're like 17 year olds who drink like 30 something yuppies. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like that was so weird. Like that's, I don't, 17 year olds do not do that, but Well, that's whatever. because these 30 year old actors forgot they were supposed to be 17. <laughs> Right, like that's for all we know, they filmed that like at one point they were supposed to be in their twenties, and then they're like, "Oh, let's make them high school kids," and then they filmed a bunch of high school scenes. Like it, it we don't know. Like like Donna Locke being a high schooler, her shortness was the only thing that was convincing about her being in high school. Other than that, Donna <laughs> Locke was clearly way above teenagerdom. <laughs> what do you mean? I know. And I also love that they always refer to themselves as kids. I think I think Donna Logg's character says, we're kids and no one believes kids. We'll give squirt guns to all the kids and it'll be the safest place in town. She said kids so much to reiterate that they're kids. <laughs> we're not adults. I liked that Freak Frolic Night. There was someone in a Spider-Man costume and a Mr. Miracle costume. Yeah, Which Mr. I was Miracle. surprised that they managed to uh, squeeze through. <laughs> Jaded, the other band, yes. was fucking awesome. Yes, they were. I... <laughs> Oh, so I good. love that the main couple ballroom dance to Jaden. To, to, yeah, to like some <laughs> to glam metal. And then she's all nervous and he's like, nothing's going to happen. I'm packing and pulls out his, his uh, fucking squirt gun. Yep. So good. I would also like to point out that the, our main character's band 
looks like a proto version of Buckaroo Banzai and the Hong Kong Cavaliers. <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> that whole thing was great. I love how it was like, I gotta go, babe. I gotta jam. Go jam. And then they have a sax player and sunglasses. Yeah. And she leaves during his ballad. Did yeah. you notice that? Yeah, she like, to go she's to the like romantically <laughs> yeah. interested in this guy, and he's like, I'm gonna play a ballad. And she's like, Alright, I gotta go pee. Yep. <laughs> which I thought was pretty amazing. And the, yeah, like I like how his band, which I can't remember the name of, and Jaded ran the fucking spectrum of n- notorious like 80s bands. Like he they were like power pop Rick Springfield type shit. And then they were like hair metal. I I I love it. It was so good. And then if I remember correctly, Divoff played the Doctor Maniac, right? Yes, yes, he did. Uh, this is Divoff's first movie. Okay. He kills that guy, and he probably got the part because of the the end of like the break in production. Oh, yeah. So, because I don't think you really see him other than that like one scene. Uh, well, you know, you see him. Yeah, is yeah the whole high school scene. Yeah, that's the only time you see Divoff. Right. Right. But when he kills the guy and operates on him and he pulls his heart out, it's still beating. <laughs> the guy's yeah, already dead. dead. The heart is beating. Okay, physically, the heart is beating at like probably 120 beats a minute, but the sound effect is like 40 <laughs> beats a minute. So. Oh, my God. But yeah, like the, the dance is great. There's a girl who tries to dance with one of the maniacs. Oh, my God. I love the arrow yes, through, through the mouth. mouth. But I'm sorry. The girl trying to dance with the maniac. Can we talk about the guy who just swoops in and takes her beer? There's this guy <laughs> yeah. in an outrageous costume who's just like, all oh, right, yoink. And then she's like, whatever, dance with me, maniac. <laughs> and then so, I can't remember who says it, but someone's like, don't run. Use your squirt guns. It, it was <laughs> the boyfriend. It was our lead our lead um, boyfriend. Oh, he's, okay, he's on okay. the microphone. And Donna Locke is the one who gets the water hose yes, out, right? Yes, she's having and a great time. Just blows the head off one of the fucking maniacs. Mm-hmm. Just, like, shoots off. Oh, can we, can we, and this all starts, chaos really starts all because it wasn't the maniacs just walking through the crowd of kids and the kids interacting with the maniacs. It wasn't any, any of them, no. It was the Vietnam veteran maniac who just starts opening fire onto the kids, the crowd of kids. Yeah. Yeah, that's what kicks everything off. Doesn't one of the other maniacs fight him? Isn't there a part where it's two of the maniacs fight each other? Yeah, I was very confused. It, did I imagine that? I seem to remember that. I can't, but I remember being thoroughly confused at this point. So I don't know if what I saw was real or not. I know it was. It was very confusing. Well, don't forget. We, I think we forgot to mention the psych, the, the cyclopean dinosaur maniacs. Oh, I loved him. He was so cute. We only see him at the end, right? No, 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 no. You see you see him at the beginning. And by the way, apparently it's meant to be two of them. There are two of oh. them. Damned if you could figure out because I thought there was only one. But apparently in the credits, it's they're two little helper dudes. Aw. So. That's cute. Yeah. <laughs> do we do we have a favorite death scene? Ooh. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna go with I'm I'm the maniac melting in a bathtub. I love that. Yeah. Okay, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Anything for you, Matt? Anything stick out to you? Um, I mean, you guys pretty much, you know, hit the nail on the head. I, I, I thought that it was weird that Donna Locke with the um, Nostromo hat, I, yeah. I, I kind of <laughs> felt it was a little weird and inappropriate that she had a, a red scarf over her lamp. Yeah. <laughs> like, isn't that hey, weird? She's like a kid. No, she's 38. <laughs> <laughs> going on 17 right. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but you know it, it is i think you know maybe maybe it's something that we're unaware of because uh this movie came out in 86 yeah we were very young so maybe back That's then true. this is how kids lit their rooms in different colors if they wanted that yeah damned if i know they didn't have all these fancy colored leds yeah all i know or is light bulbs. That my daughters are not gonna have any red scarfs over their lamps <laughs> <laughs> i know it's just a fire hazard oh for sure on that note, was there anything you didn't like about Neon Maniacs? Was there anything that confused you? I mean, there's nothing confusing about this movie, obviously, but, you know. Yep. And on that note, unfortunately, the entire movie is confusing. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing is confusing, but I have to say, it was fun. Yes. And I yeah. wasn't bored. At like, and no. There wasn't any point during watching it that I didn't want to be, you know? Right. Yeah. And I was going to say, I think the confusion is actually its hidden strength because like yeah. you said it's engaging because of it right yeah because we have so many questions correct <laughs> so you keep watching looking for answers yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's stimulating our brains the whole time <laughs> keeping us awake but also you could also write your own mythos into it if you really wanted to <laughs> yeah since so That's little right. of it is actually you know definitively explained other than What's on the back of the box? That's a good point, Tim. Like, other movies work really hard to give you the kind of open-ended interpretive endings <laughs> that this movie gave us by accident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point. This whole movie is an exercise in serendipity. It really is. I didn't really dislike anything about this movie. I had two things that I was moderately... Con well, questions I have yeah, yeah, beyond yeah. the big questions. Um, when... When the main girl, she calls to get connected to her parents, if I remember correctly, and yeah. the person's like, what country? And yeah. then she's just like, uh, and then she hangs up. <laughs> did she decide not to tell her parents or did she not know what country Paris is in? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good question. Like that really, I want to know. That's a, I want to know that, that more than any of the other questions I have. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> also, when the weird cop calls that guy... To tell him to tail the girl, he wakes him up in the middle of the night and mm. then says, go back to sleep, kid. You don't like, <laughs> if you didn't need him to do it now, why did he wake him up? <laughs> yeah, and th that was another confusing part because it was at that point Chrissy looked over at me and she said, like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> I feel like being called and woken up in the middle of the night was a very common trope. For important mm. scenes yeah. back in the 80s and like early 90s. Like, that's how you get across the message that this is important information. It's important enough to wake someone up. But they didn't realize that they, in the same time, said it was not time insensitive, time sensitive, so we could just go back to sleep. What a great movie. <laughs> what a film. Would you give any random aesthetic choices in Neon Maniacs a breaky award in honor of the Windbreakers in the Neil Blomkamp movie Demonic? I mean, as the biggest alien fan on this podcast i'd like um i mean donna's nostromo hat especially when it's at like a jaunty angle <laughs> yeah. which was like 85 percent of the time that's yeah. such a like i'm a wise cracking kid you know what i mean it's like dennis the menace <laughs> i know and i also got it was a good way to get across that she's like a, a movie nerd an authentic way to to get that message across i thought which that was cool yeah yeah what about you tim uh, I mean, all of the maniacs, like I said, they're the village people of slashers. I love, I love them all. <laughs> they're all unique and, and special boys in my heart. 
Uh, yep. My favorite being, I guess, would be the Electric Maniac. Just because yeah. he had a hell of a time driving that BART train. <laughs> uh, I, was, he, he, I was so happy for him. Because, because the best part is, they accomplished their goal of trying to chase, you know, get our, our, our final girl. And there's like, uh, and they, she gets away. They get off the train. All the maniacs follow, and then he's still on the train. And be like, no, I'm gonna finish out the shift. <laughs> huh. I know. I'm gonna get to the next stop. Yeah, I'm gonna go the go the end of the line and hand it off to my replacement. <laughs> I hope he just like casually like handed it off to a real a real uh, train operator. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> it would be good too, especially since his vocalizations are just basically like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, that's, that's, that's a good one too. For, for me, I, I also had the Nostromo hat, but I, some other mm-hmm. honor, honorable breakies, I guess, um, the wood paneling inside the van in yeah. the beginning of the movie. And the shag. That yeah. was no pretty shag. amazing. Wood paneling and shag. Let's not forget. Right, right. And uh, actually this might be my breakie. The background at the freak frolic night. For the main band, all those like neon bars in like bizarre shapes, geometric, like they go this way and then other ones go this way. It's yeah. it's a very 80s yeah. vibe and it looked like they were getting their school picture taken in front of a bunch of lasers, <laughs> as is tradition, in my opinion. I enjoyed that quite a bit. They put the neon in Neon Maniacs, finally. <laughs> right. See, that's what. Yeah, I know. At least there was some neon in here. <laughs> finally, would you recommend Neon Maniacs? I would. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely recommend it. Be like, hey, guys, you're going to think you know what this is, but wait. <laughs> but wait. But wait. Right. I would tell people you might not end up liking it, but you should see it. Yes. You probably never see a movie quite like Neon Maniac, so you should watch it just to experience it. Definitely. And we're reiterating this so hard. It's on Tubi. And we keep reiterating <laughs> this because... It's very hard to find it. physical copies of yeah. the DVD. It was released on Blu-ray. I saw that. Yeah, all of these are out of print, however. And, you know, it's hard to find streaming except on Tubi, who might be a very good archive of rare cultish movies. They are. They have all, they have all sorts of cool shit on there. <laughs> we got to keep working for our fucking Tubi sponsorship. <laughs> Tubi, Tubi, Tubi. <laughs> this podcast Tubi. brought to you by Tubi. <laughs> yeah so we all recommend it check yep. it out Neomaniacs streaming on your local Tubi that's T-U-B-I <laughs> <laughs> what would keep you from slaying me oh segregated one by the way that's never gonna heal if you don't stop picking ah, the sound of Jim Carrey saying one of his great lines from Batman Forever means we are out of time we'll be back next Monday with a new episode assuming we don't peek into a random van and get hooked in the head by a one-eyed monster if you have any questions for me, Matt, or Tim, you can reach us through our email, aiptmoviespod at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at aiptmoviespod. If you like this podcast or any of the other great podcasts, articles, or features on AIPT, you can help support the site and the people who work on it by signing up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash aiptcomics. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, it's okay to love movies. They may not be able to love you back, but they'll always be there for you. Bye. 2B2B2. Let's hear it for Jaden.